Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Oh. You might want to leave the lights on at night. Wham, wham! The bedroom door stopped flying open out of nowhere. Hello, you're listening to Weird Tales and the Unexplainable. This is Bob Shoy, and with me as always is... Fife and to see, tis tis to see. Wow, that was lovely. Mm. Right, how's everyone doing? Yeah, good. I've read comics all day. Have you really? <laughs> yeah. What about you, Tis? How you doing? Yeah, good. Yeah, just yeah. working. Yeah. So today's episode, yeah, is heavily, heavily requested. I had um, two choices basically for today. There was an episode I've really wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, for a long time. Mm. And I was either going to do that or this one just because it keeps getting requested. So I went with the audience. Um, okay. And it was actually a way meatier topic than I thought. I thought I would get this done in one episode, but I think I'm going to have to split it in half. Right. I'm trying to think what has been requested that we haven't well, done. Well, some stuff, sometimes I don't tell you guys what gets requested because I'm like, oh, I'm oh yeah, do that. you get you get to. Just for the listeners, Bob gets like all the emails and everything. And yeah, if you if you email, you're getting through to me, and I uh, normally forward them to the guys as well. But I, I forget half the time. Yeah. Oh, and also, uh, not that anyone does, but on Twitter, I can't get back into my Twitter account. Oh right. So that Twitter handle's gone. Really? Well, it will gone. still sit there for the rest of eternity. But why can't you get into the password? Uh, yes, and the email. <laughs> Because the email isn't my email. I used like another email because my email was oh, long. But uh, I was going to show you this um, image, uh, but it's way too small. Okay, <laughs> I'm forward to crop it. So, I'm, well, I'll quickly show you. No, go on, show right. it here. You see this? Oh, it's I just know some what film it is posters. Now. It's some film posters. Um, and what, what we've got here is Annabelle, uh-huh. The Conjuring, The Conjuring Two, yeah, The Amityville Horror. The Haunting in Connecticut, and The Haunted, which is a 1991 TV movie. Mm. 
Now, what do these films have in common? Possessed objects. No. Or haunted objects. No. Horror films. They are a horror film. Terrible horror films. There's some good ones in there. Well, go on, Tiss. I've had about four goes. What about? What have they all got in what common? What have they got in common? ghosts. No. Wait. Go- okay. Ghosts. Ghosts. Haunted. No. I don't think you're going to know. Um, no, because when someone says that, I will. Uh, I don't think you will, unless you know. Well, I know the possessed go. items has been requested. Yeah, that is sort of ties into this a little bit. Poltergeist. Is it like Poltergeist? Scary dolls. Is it like another one name? It's like a name that I wouldn't know. Is it a word I wouldn't know? Well, it's a name you guys wouldn't... If you haven't said it now, you don't know it. Nosferatu? No. <laughs> Get off the Transylvania hype. Is it Cupid? They are all true life based films that are based on true life events. Mm. They're all investigated by the same paranormal couple. Okay. Oh. The Warrens. And this episode is all about the Warrens. Oh, really? Probably the most famous paranormal investigators of all time. So these mm. these guys are the bird. <laughs> no, never heard of. Well, I didn't think you would have. That's why I'm going to tell you all about them. <laughs> giving us a warning. Yeah. Are you going to take us down a bit of a warren over the next hour or so, Bob? Yeah. Well, what I was going to do... Rabbits live in warrens, too. Th- when I say... Like, warrens, oh, really? Warrens are really convoluted, so that if rabbits get get attacked, they have loads of different escape... Like They're really mm. like, ma- like underground mazes. Do you want me to tell you what I was originally going to plan for this episode? Well, lifting hats. I was going to print out all them posters, <laughs> right? And then you would like pick a film, and then I'll tell you the truth behind the film and stuff. Mm. But there's way too much meat to these stories that I've actually just picked two of them. But no one donates to the pod, so we can't afford printers. No, I couldn't afford and the ink. glossy ink. I was going to do them like proper full size posters. They're like an A4 or like, six of them. Photo sensitive, like signed no, by the crew. Uh, no, I was yeah, I was going to go through the true tales behind all of them, but there's mm. just too much, and these tales are too meaty. So what I've done is I've picked The Conjuring one and two because of how popular they've been, mm. and the second one's out kind of recently. And people have been requesting, like, what's the truth behind these stories? Mm-hmm. So today is sort of like a look at the Warrens, who they are in their life, and then two of their more famous cases that were then turned into the films, The Conjuring. Snappy title, I know. And then I'll do their other cases in another episode. Is The Conjuring... Mm-hmm. Um, show me the posters again. It's that one and that one. Oh, okay. Right, I'm just going to tell you a little bit about the Warrens before we get on to the, the films, all right? Cool. All right. So, do you want to see what they look like, first of all? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They look... Um, they're older than I expected them to be. Right. Yeah. What do you reckon, Tiss? Nice looking guys. Would you trust them? Um, they turned up at your door and were like, we've got some activity going on in your house. We're picking it up on our radar. We've been outside in the van for the week outside your house looking. Can we come in and investigate? Would you let them in? I'd let them crack on. If mm. they were the Warrens and they were famous. <laughs> Not just any old person off the street. Ed and Lorraine Warren were a married couple who became paranormal investigators. Uh, They were involved in a number of very famous cases. He was a World War II um, Navy veteran. Okay. And afterwards he became a self-taught demonologist. And she was a clear... Self-taught. Self-taught demonologist. I don't think you can be a trained demonologist, can you? Yeah, you can. Oh, right. Well, he went on to train loads of people in demonology. You can... (laughs) That answered your question again. You can't But I don't know if if he did it. Yeah, but he trained them. I didn't know if it was an official training thing, you know. You don't go and study it. Uh, Churches will do some... um, But you can. You can go to university. Oh, and really? get um, just the same as you <laughs> Professor would... Professor Ed Warren. 
and get a degree in demonology, yeah. All right. And she was a clairvoyant. Uh, right? Yeah. Clairvoyants are the ones that that they like... See the future. They're the ones that speak to the they're spirits, like, kind yeah, of like a yeah, seance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speak to the spirits and perform seances and stuff, yeah. Okay. In 52, 1952, they founded the New England Society for Psychic Research. Okay. Um, they're both Roman Catholics. Okay. And they believe that all the cases they've been involved in are demons rather than ghosts. Like mm-hmm. all poltergeist activity, all hauntings, are all um, religious events. They're all demons, mm-hmm. is what they believe in. I'd agree I just with say, that. as much as that could be true, someone with a demonology... Uh... Yeah, he would say that. <laughs> yeah, of course. And they're heavily, heavily religious as well. <laughs> just... Yeah, fair um, they authored numerous books, trained several other demonologists, um, and Lorraine even runs an occult museum from their home, which is basically all artifacts from all their cases over the years. And you can visit the museum at the house still. She still runs it now. All right. Um, Ed passed away. How old are they now? He's um, dead. Um, or Ed's, so he's Ed's very dead. old. He's dead. Yeah, he could have died from anything, demon possession. Yeah, but he's in the ground, so he's old. I can actually tell you how old they are if you really want to know. Lorraine is 89. Fair play. And Ed died at the age of 79 in 2006. Uh. Um, they claim to have been involved in over 10,000 cases. 10,000? 10, uh-huh. Fuck. Yeah, I, I can believe that. That's more cases than Stansted. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I can't be bothered to explain cases, suitcases, airport. Tiss's joke. That was dreadful. <laughs> okay, so shall we? Um, Ten thousand is a lot. That's a little overview to who they are. Mm. Right. Anyway, have you guys seen The Conjuring? No. Yeah. You have? No. 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 Oh. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen The Conjuring, the first film? No. No. You haven't. No. No. You saw it, didn't you? I've seen it. Tell no. us. Um, tell us more. Okay, The Conjuring is based on one of Ed and Lorraine's cases um, to do with the Perron family. Perron family. Perron family. Was um, this in America? It was. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to pull up the IMDb page for The Conjuring. Okay. Um, and I'm going to read the synopsis of the film. This has um, Patrick Wilson in it. Okay, yeah. He plays Ed Warren. Um, oh, so they feature Yeah, it. they feature in it. Like, this is a true... Oh, I guess I'm, they would do, because they turn up and... This is yeah. what I'm going to say. This is why I'm going to read the synopsis, because this case is... The way the film is done is very accurate to the real events. Right. So, in 1971, Carolyn and Roger Perron move their family into a dilapidated Rhode Island farmhouse, and soon strange things start happening around it with escalating nightmarish terror. In desperation, Carolyn contacts the noted paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren to examine the house. What the Warrens discover is a whole area steeped in satanic haunting that is now targeting the Perron family wherever they go. To stop this evil, the Warrens will have to call upon their skills and spiritual strength to defeat the spectral menace at its source that threatens to destroy everyone involved. So that's on IMDb. It's a bit... It's cinematic. Yeah, it's a bit more cinematic. Yeah. But that's basically the the plot of the film is how it went down. They even had Lorraine Warren on set and um, mm. helping make the film. And the actual Perron family were there yeah. giving their own accounts. Um, okay, so, so it's fairly Yeah, so if you want to watch that film, quite that, accurate. that gives you an, a real accurate representation of what happened. Hmm. So how, how old is the film? It's only a couple of years, isn't it? Yeah. So as if they've come on to the second one. 2013. Yeah. 
So they've only just done the second one, haven't they? And yeah. you liked it. You thought it was a really good film. I thought it was good for a modern horror film, mm. which I'm not the biggest fan of. Yeah. And most of them I watch a complete cack. But this one I did find, it kept me engaged. Like a lot of them I get bored in and I start fiddling with my phone and, and I don't really do that in films, but in horror films I do get bored. But yeah, this one did keep me engaged. I thought it was an all right horror film. Cool. Too many horror films I think rely on jump scares and gore. Yeah. And both things I find very boring. Yeah. I started um, watching Women in Black and yeah. that relies very heavily on yeah, jump scares. Yeah, that's all right. I thought that was all right. Oh, no. And it, like, any well, moment... You thought it relied too much on, on jump scares? Yeah, I think Even so. Becca watched that. The thing is... I always thought, after seeing it at the theatre, I always thought it'd be quite hard to do in the film because it builds up the tension yeah, so, yeah. so well in that little theatre and it's so dark and all you can see is the guy on stage walking around with his candle, like, so, so well done. And they kind of, I guess they would have always missed that a bit. But I think, yeah, I don't know, maybe not. But I'm I'm very, I have no time for jump scares at all. So mm. even one in one film, well, they, like, they, they rely too them. heavily on it. They only have one, but I, I, I hate they it. All, they all do it. I think there's even some in The Conjuring. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, okay, so the name of the spirit that haunted this family, they actually worked out who it was or whatever in life or whatever, yeah. um, was strange name because it's a very old name. Um, but she was a real person, Bathsheba. Bathsheba, yeah. Yeah, and Bathsheba's in the Bible, right? Bathsheba, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't know uh, it was in the Bible, but when I was searching for information about Bathsheba from this case, mm. it kept coming up. So who's Bathsheba in the Bible? I don't think it has any relevance. Um, I, Off the top of my head, I can't, I can't remember. Um, there's two stories I can think of, and I don't want to get it wrong, so I'd rather say I don't really know. Okay. Have you researched it? No, I haven't. I because it was, didn't seem relevant. It just seemed interesting that it kept coming up. I'm gonna have to find out because yeah, carry on. Sorry. But but the name of the spirit uh, in this case was Bathsheba. Bathsheba Sherman, okay. um, born Bathsheba Thayer. And in life, she was believed to have been a witch. She um, studied witchcraft. But before I carry on telling you about it, let's watch the trailer for The Conjuring. See what you guys think. What are you guys? Well, we've been called ghost hunters, paranormal researchers. But we prefer to be known simply as Ed and Lorraine Warren. There's something horrible happening in my house. It's November 1st, 1971. I'm sitting here with Carolyn Perrin, who, with her family, has been experiencing supernatural occurrences. You picking up anything in here, huh? Something awful happened here, Ed. What is it? Whatever Lorraine sees, feels, touches, takes a toll on her. A little peace each time. You have a lot of spirits in here, but there's one that I'm most worried about because it is so hateful. We have to get out of here. That's not going to help. This thing has latched itself to your family. So that's the trailer for the film. What do you guys think to that? No, I'm not interested. <laughs> Too many, literally, they put all the jump scares in there. Everything was jump scare, jump scare, yeah. jump scare. It's exhausting. Yeah, I think they shovel them in trailers just to make people go, oh, God, that's going to be scary. Um, but yeah, not your thing. No. No. Okay. I think, um, yeah, I'd have, to, I'd have to know more about the Warrens. I'd want to know more about their process and how they go about And I wouldn't necessarily rely too much on the film to see... You're listening to the right show. Tell you a bit about the Warrens. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So Bathsheba was the, the spirit, and um, she's believed to have been a witch in her life. Uh, she worshipped Satan. It wasn't like known that she did this, but she married a guy, and they moved into this farmhouse, and they had a kid. And when the baby was a week old, her husband found her in the basement, 
trying to sacrifice the weak old baby. This is sorry. This is Bathsheba. Bathsheba's yeah. husband found yeah. her doing this. Yeah. yeah, he stopped her obviously, but she was caught in the act. So she, you know, admitted to her um, satanic worship. Basically, she apparently she ran out of the house, declared her love for Satan, and ended up hanging herself from a tree in the garden, hmm. which is the tree on the poster, the the noose on it. Um, and that happened in 1944. Right. Then it said that she would haunt whoever moved into the house after that, uh, keep tormenting the families until finally possessing the mother. She would always try and get close to the mother to try and get the mother to kill her children and then kill herself. Right? Okay. There's a lot of legend and folklore in this tale, and because it's, you know, it's hard to know what's real and what isn't because there's so many different interpretations of it like because it also says that it's possible that she had another three children who also died before the age of seven right so it's speculated that she killed them as well Mm. but then there's no record of her ever having another three kids Mm. so maybe she did maybe she didn't yeah um right there was also uh, an infant that mysteriously died in her care that she was looking after in the house. Uh, examination of the body showed the infant had died from a large sewing needle being pushed into the base of its skull. Hmm. Um, so it's speculated that she sacrificed that child as well, but there was insufficient evidence to pin it on her at the time. Right. Um, some sources seem to suggest that she actually lived a long life and never hung herself from the tree and ended up having another child. All in this house. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's, there's other reports say that she lived until the age of eighty-five and never killed herself. And she had another child who, who grew up and a son who grew up and got married and lived a full life. Right. So all these stories contradict each other. But the only thing they have in common is people generally consider that she studied witchcraft in her life. Mm. So I'm going to play you a little video clip. This is some clips of the Peron family themselves talking about the okay. time in the house. Just before you press play. Yep. Bathsheba. Yep. In the Bible, there were different Bathshebas. The main one that you would think of, which is the one I was thinking of, and I just double-checked on my phone, was King Solomon's mum. So she ended up with King David. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's effectively like a, an ancient ancestor of Jesus. Right, okay. Um, but there are other Bathshebas, so yeah. I'd have to look at it, but... I don't think there's it too much meaning have, behind it, to be honest. Yeah, it doesn't name, have yeah. any link. It's just the name that we don't hear very much. I think Beth, Bathsheba is probably like an old version of the name Beth. Because Bathsheba is um, absolutely a real person. Like Her gravestone yeah. is on the property itself and everything. Mm. So this is the family that the this conjuring is, the is based family. on? Yeah, this is the real family. Oh, cool, okay. The house was just full of people that lived there that, that were not us. I was... Uh, 11 years old when my mother found the farm and we arrived in the middle of a snowstorm we were just moving into a charming lovely old house as far as all of us were concerned nancy and i were sharing a room andrea had her room and cindy and april would share a room and it was boom 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 it was pretty much everything was the same way but it was going to move to this big new house with this really great big yard Wham, wham, the bedroom door stopped flying open out of nowhere, out of absolute nowhere. Wham, bam, up against the, the sides of the walls, and it would be, everybody would be just in total shock, and we'd be, okay, who did that? 
No one was thinking in terms of, oh, the house is haunted and it's freaking the animals out. None of us had even conceptualized the, the possibility of this, including my parents. She uh, hung herself in the barn. There are things that happen in that house that I won't ever tell anybody, nobody, not my family, not my sisters, not my parents, not my best friends, not anybody. And then he started to talk about Bathsheba. She murdered that little baby and she drove a needle into its skull and killed it. She loathed my mother. She lusted after my father. Lusted. I knew then that there was something. When you're standing there and, 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 and somebody runs their, their hand against your back and you turn around and there's nothing there, you realize that there is something going on. And at that point, I started to put two and two together with the, the things that were happening to my wife. My mother was never allowed to assume her rightful position as mistress of the house. That's the bottom line. We moved into that house as a mother, a father, and five children. And whatever the spirit was that taunted and haunted my mother so supremely over a decade, was not willing to relinquish the position, essentially. What she did was treat my mother abominably. There was some madness in that house, and it was um, a very a penetrating force, and it was fighting to be the dominant force, and I think it was letting parents and children alike let it know that it wanted to be the dominating force, and I think we fought it tooth and nail for a long time, and then I guess we know who won, don't we? Reflecting about it after it was over, I didn't feel that spirits were really capable, capable of doing physical harm to you, but I was wrong about that. I was wrong about that. There was real danger there. Hmm. Remember that? Hmm. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't surprise me. It's like I've said before. You know, we talked about angels uh, two weeks ago. Yeah. And yeah, it's like I've said before on the demon possession episode. Um, it yeah, the, these things are very real. Mm. Um, I, I I mean I know that from my experience and from what I've seen. You know, if angels are real. Demons have to be real, or spirits, whatever you'd want to call them, and they are—they are, you know—they are able to do stuff in the physical realm. They're able to do things which um, could harm you, um, and we know that from some of these stories that we we explored in the episode two weeks ago. You mm. know, angels could save your life. Angels could pull you out of harm's way. They could do things like that, and so yeah, none none of that surprised me. It's all stuff I've heard. Um, before it's very it's very interesting to hear yeah I guess just how powerful they are powerful it reminded me obviously of the demonic possession episode mm. but it also reminded me of the haunted houses episode yeah. where I was looking at cases where it was one particular house that has you know is renowned for having bad things happen again and again and again yeah this is what I mean about inconsistencies in the story though because like I said before oh she ran and hung herself from the tree it was the in barn. there they said barn. A barn, yeah. So it does it does change 
according to, you know, tales, there were eight generations of families that lived and died in the house after Bathsheba. Okay. After Bathsheba, didn't you say it was in the 1940s? That's what I thought. That's why I was That's checking. That's not the a very long again. time. Well, I guess, yeah, I guess that could work. Tis, what did you think? What What are your thoughts, your opinions? It's well scary, isn't it? It is, isn't it? It's horrible. Mm. Yeah. Ah, I'm 100 years out. Oh, so it's 1840s. 80, yes, it must have been. Okay. I don't know where I got that year from then. Meh. Doesn't matter. I just think when you say it in 1940s, yeah, I, when I said it out loud, when I said it to you guys, it sounded, that's why I stopped and I was like, hang on a second. Yeah, it must have been 1800s. Mm. I, I haven't got the exact year here because there's so much speculation, but I would guess that I've just written that wrong and it was 1844. Yeah. But anyway, eight, eight generations, included amongst them, were two hangings by suicide, one poison suicide, uh, two drownings. 11-year-old raped and murdered within the house. Uh, Four men froze to death in a strange incident, um, amongst other tragic losses with people who lived in that house. Mm. Froze to death. Froze to death, yeah. I I couldn't find any more on that incident. That that seems to stand out as like a weird thing. Mm. I don't know know how that happens. But yeah, that's just like a list of things that happened in that house with families that moved in after. How do you think you'd cope in a house like that? You'd be out? Well, let's put it this way. The estate agent wouldn't tell you anything about it, would he? No, they said that again and again. (laughs) Apparently, when the Perons moved in, the estate agent did say something to them. They were like, we love it, brilliant. And the only thing he said is, um, you might want to leave the lights on at night. Did he say it as he was closing the door going, (laughs) (laughs) I think so. You might want to leave the lights on at night. (laughs) But you don't think they're bullshitting and you don't think the Perons are bullshitting? No, I don't think so. I, I, it's like we say time and time again. What reason would they have to do that? They wouldn't have any reason to do that other than, I don't know, to make some documentary that a few thousand people are going to watch. I, I thought the mother in particular seemed very... She was very even, shaken up. Yeah, or even all these years later, like it had affected her. Mm. That's what was interesting me. Um, I did actually find this case really interesting looking into it. Yeah, I think... Uh, yeah, there's definite truth there. Um, I think most of the stories they wouldn't want to talk about, you know, it's when anything traumatic happens to you, you don't really want to talk about it for too long, do you? You don't mm. want to. Um, and some people don't want to talk about it because they feel like it it gives the spirit a chance to kind of come back effectively if you start talking about it again. The trailer, um, it did sort of sensationalise it a little bit when it was like, um, oh, one of their cases that haven't talked about until now, that sort of thing. And um, it is a case, one of their cases, that has only really risen in popularity since that film came out. Mm. Um, But yeah, since the film did come out, the woman who now lives there, Norma Sutcliffe, is the current owner. Yeah, and what she's been trying to do is gather evidence to disprove all the events of that house. Okay, because she's trying to stop. There's been like a barrage of trespassers. I was say, she had she had stuff happen. Um, well, she, she's lived there. I don't know, but if she's trying to say that nothing happens there, she would be denying it, even if stuff was, because she doesn't want people come trespassing around her property. Uh, curious about the property because of the popularity of the film now um, she mm. wants to sort of be left in peace so she's saying nothing happens to her and she is saying 
trying to disprove all the events from before, even though like pretty much everyone who's ever lived there has said weird shit happened in this house. Yeah. Um, I get that. Because it would have the hype, wouldn't it? And people mm. would know that was the house and oh, they'd want to go and... And you know if we live near it... Oh, we're going to see we'd it. Go and, yeah, we'd exactly. go and record. We'd go and see the, the Perron family house. I wouldn't go anywhere near it. Really? No way. No. Not not even in the barn where she hung herself? No. Or the tree? So if if we lived in the area, Tiss... No, we wouldn't go there anyway. But, and I rung up Sutcliffe and she Sutcliffe. said, I don't want the woman who lives there now. Okay. And she said, no, I don't want people on my property. But you guys love the show. You yeah. guys are the one people I'm going to let in to have a look around the house Still and go care. down in that basement. Still don't care. You're not going in? No. No well, weird... someone praised me for a show. No Weird Tales investigates. You guys can. Yeah, okay. Weird Tales has got more than one for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> okay, would you go in there, Beef? Yeah. Would you... Beef, Tiss, would you not go in there with some sage? No. I wouldn't go anywhere near it. You would would do... you not go in with me and do a Tiss and Beef sage and pray? I wouldn't go anywhere near it. I wouldn't go anywhere near it. What if, um, this is why I question, right, that stuff is still happening, still going on. I'd mm-hmm. want to know what, it, these guys are Roman Catholics. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I'd want to know what kind of process, that, what kind of thing they do to try and, because if they try and communicate with stuff, if they're trying to communicate with it, does they're not really, is, this isn't like a hostage negotiation. You can't try and negotiate a spirit <laughs> to try and leave the property. Right. You have to, you have to do stuff to take authority over it and to actually force it to leave. So I guess, I don't know, maybe maybe since then, since the film, maybe it's built up some... Do you think they're a bit too liberal? They should just go in there all guns blazing. All guns blazing and <laughs> shut his ass down. Crucifix-shaped yeah. guns. Shut Wait. his spirity ass down. Oh, ghost rights. Ooh. No, <laughs> get out of the house, you c- <laughs> No, I just think, um, and I wonder maybe since the film has built up hype, maybe people have gone round and actually... Carpet bombed the house, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> just, um... I'd but then... bomb the house, straight up. I'd buy it and carpet bomb it. What with Oh, no, actually... Yeah, but no, I wouldn't buy it, because then I'd own it. No, I wouldn't go anywhere near it. I'd get someone else... <laughs> I'd get someone to... Oh, well, if you carpet bomb it, you can do it from the air, that's not going near it. I feel like I was a lot happier before I knew about the house. Well, it's all right. It's not in this country. I feel like you were much happier about it before we started doing the show. But the next case definitely did happen in this country. Okay. Oh, no, it didn't. Disclosure. I'm not going. No, we won't go. Don't worry. Cool. Where is it? Is it your mum's house? I've already been. (laughs) Um, People have been saying, a couple of you have said about the adverts. We've got adverts now. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, Do we need to start saying, here's an ad? Well, that's what I want to say. Rather than me try and slot them in, because it doesn't matter how casually I try and slot them in, it always sounds a little bit like it's interrupting our conversation. Hmm. Even though I insert them sort of at the end of points, sometimes it does sound intrusive. So what I'm going to start doing is say, like, there's going to be an advert now. And then they'll, I'll put that, I'll put the advert in there, and then we can move on. And it's a perfect point because I'm going to move on to mm. the second. Case. Here's an ad. Yeah. So there's going to be an advert now. Quite a good advert. Oh, that was a good one. What did we have last week? We had Nigella Lawson as our advert last Do we week. Actually? Yeah. Are we allowed to talk about these companies? I don't know. Mm. Mm. No, what Nigella Lawson? Not what advertising a new cookbook? Or? Advertising her food podcast. Advertising her. Podcast on our podcast. Yeah. I'm going to listen to it. Right. And then say, Fans advertise our podcast on your podcast because we've been listening to you. Talking of uh, people who we advertised, you can take them brew dog beers with you. 
because I've drunk like half of them. <laughs> really? Yeah, so you can take the other half. I've got two left. I've got two left in there. Talking of beer, I'm going to have a beer. Do you guys want anything while I'm up? I'll have a beer, please. Yeah. Thanks, mate. All right. Thanks again to Brewdog. I'm just chowing my way through a kingpin. It's really nice. Yeah. Right. Now, do you know what famous case The Conjuring 2 was based on? Um, Curious case. Bathsheba moved to the UK. No. If That sounds like a wacky sequel, though. <laughs> um, what is it based on? If I said Curious Case, would it give it away? No. Curious Case well, of Benjamin, Benjamin Button. Button. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. Okay. okay. No. Not giving anything away, then. Uh, it's a case that we've mentioned on the show before. Tiss has mentioned it. Emily Rose. No. Sue. No. Okay. Oh, there's a Pottergeist in London yeah. which was throwing shit around the room, wasn't it? The Enfield Pottergeist. Yeah, Enfield. That was That's it. what we're talking about for the second half. The, the Enfield show. Haunting. See, I was literally thinking of doing my next episode on that. Is that a f- uh, well, you can do Poltergeists nah. in general because I'm, all I'm talking about is this one case. And that's my favourite one. Uh, <laughs> oh, that was like, oh. like taking JFK off me. <laughs> you know what? I didn't know that The Conjuring 2 was based on the Enfield Pottergeist. Was oh, it actually? Okay. Yeah. Is it? So I was already decided I'm going to do the Truth Punk Conjuring films because I haven't watched um, Conjuring 2 hmm. and when I, st- I did all the research on Conjuring 1 then I started researching Conjuring 2 and I was like oh shit it's the co- part guy so I was like I swear Tiss wanted to do that and then um, it's too late because I'd already done half the show I just so shit. is this featuring the Warrens again is it like they've come over to England yeah to- it's one of their other cases I remember hearing this when I was a kid and it scared the shit out of me hmm. so the Conjuring 2 was based on the Enfield Pottergeist very famous case in uh, London it was it a while ago though? Seventies, I think. Oh, was it? Yeah. Now uh, I'm going to play you an audio clip of the poltergeist. Okay. Talking. Ready? Hello. Hello. That's not like a one-off. They recorded it talking a lot. There's like hours. I don't understand why you do that. Right? That noise there is coming um, from an 11-year-old girl. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's um, it's it's quite similar to the voice I heard from the dude in Mozambique. Right. Very That kind of like, um, almost like someone that's had throat cancer there's a clip I'm going to play in a bit where the guy says a little bit about that where your vocal cords go and he starts using the flap above them mm. but it's an 11 year old girl talking like that I remember hearing that clip on a TV show when I was a young kid because I was really interested in ghosts and stuff as a young mm. kid and I was watching a show about ghosts and they played that clip and I had nightmares about it for so long I was so so scared of the Enfield Park guys when I was a kid so is it coming from an 11-year-old girl who's with them as they're recording, or yeah. is it coming from, or that they worked out it was an 11-year-old girl who... No, got... they're literally talking to an 11-year-old girl. In this house? Yeah. Mm. It's coming from, sometimes they'll talk to her and it will start, she'll start talking mm. as this, the guy's called Bill, here's the name of the poltergeist. Mm. 
Bill. Um, he was an old man who died in their living room years previous. Okay. So what do you think of that? Pretty weird? It is pretty weird. Um, yeah. yeah, but it's kind of just to give you a bit of context. Um, yeah, it's quite similar to what I heard in Mozambique. Uh, I guess it was a bit deeper. Um, but yeah, it's weird. It, it would just imagine imagine seeing it. Mm. It would freak you out, wouldn't it? Mm. But again, I don't know why they're giving these spirits time of day. Just why are they talking to it so much? Shy down. If it's there and it's bothering people, get rid of it. Shouldn't be there. What do you think about this? What, the voice? Yeah. Just sounds weird, doesn't it? Yeah. Would it bother you, though? If, if I heard it, of course. Yeah. Did it bother you hearing Even it? Even if then? I saw it coming from my mouth. Did it bother you hearing it then? Uh, yeah, a little bit, but get used to it, yeah. Right. <laughs> so, in the late 70s, this home in Enfield in London, uh, consisting of single mother, Peggy Hodgson, and her four kids, Margaret, age 13, Janet, age 11, Johnny, age 10, and Billy, age 9. Janet was the girl who was constantly possessed by the spirit. Kind of like the uh, like Linda Blair from Exorcist. Mm-hmm. The poltergeist was called Bill, often. Sometimes it would say his name was Fred or different names, but most of the time it was Bill. Yeah. But they used to say, you know, he was very playful. So when it was other voices, they're like, oh, is there more than one spirit or is Bill just sticking around? They, 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 this is what they do. They, yeah, it's, not un, it's not uncommon for them to just... Sometimes she would literally just be barking. Mm. It'd be like, wow, wow, like mm. just bursting out of her when she's in the house and stuff. Mm. Fuck. Possessed a lot of times, but it also actually like physically grabbed her and slung her across the room a few times. Mm. There's a very famous photo, um, which I'm going to show you. I think I know which you, one it is. Um, of Janet being moved across the room. It would say she would levitate across the room or whatever. Mm. And they managed to get some pictures of this a few times. Oh, I haven't seen that. It's fucking mental, isn't it? You can see from her legs that she hasn't been jumping. I don't know. You could probably you could probably say that she just jumped off her bed. Mm. You could do. I, I'm not saying that is what's happened, but you could say oh, she just jumped off her bed. It's quite an unnatural looking photo, in my opinion. Yeah, the way her, her arms are, yeah, mm. it's a bit... Bit strange, and you can see her sister and brother in the bed next to it, yeah. shitting themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck! Um, there's a documentary on it. There's like some. There's like a whole thing. There's videos of like the dice. Yeah, there's dice some movie? really, really good documentaries. Like I really went down a rabbit hole, a rabbit warren, mm. Um, mm. researching this because there were so many good documentaries about this, and I will put a lot of them on the blog because I really would recommend watching some of these. So I'm going to play a little bit of one of them now. Okay. A clip of what we watched. One of the documentaries that was on oh, the right. BBC. Okay. I'm invisible. I'm invisible. You're invisible? Why are you invisible? I'm a G. Hank Because I'm a G-H-O-S-T. Yes, he had quite a sense of humour. He also used to swear a lot as well. So that man there is Maurice Gross, alongside his paranormal investigative partner, Guy Playfair. Um, they were the two that initially investigated the haunting before the Warrens came in. And he's the guy who got a lot of the audio recordings that you hear online. Right, okay. He recorded many, many conversations with Bill. 
And uh, this this is a really good documentary. It was on the BBC, but this follows him revisiting the family a few years later. But I'm just going to play a little section from the beginning where he talks about the case a little bit. In 1977, I led a team which investigated what is now regarded as the world's most famous poltergeist case, the Enfield Poltergeist. It became world headlines at the time, mainly because of the strange gruff voice that came from a girl called Janet. Hollywood soon got in on the act, and the makers of several box office hits acknowledge a debt to my case in Enfield. I've never been able to forget that voice. He called himself many names, but mostly Bill or Fred. I still listen to the 180 hours of tapes I recorded during the investigation. This voice is coming from an 11-year-old girl. Well, perhaps Guy, perhaps you've got something to say to them. Yeah! I'd like to know how you make this noise without bashing Janet's vocal cords to pieces. If I do it for half a minute, I get a sore throat. There's chases here. And we found that on analysis, the voice was not made by the larynx, the voice box, but by the false vocal fold, which is above the larynx. And you only use that when you lose your voice and you talk like that. Well, if you talk like that for more than a couple of minutes, you start getting a sore throat. Talk like that for five minutes or so and you're going to start doing damage to your throat. And yet this voice used to speak up to three hours at a time. Not continuously, of course, but up to three hours at a time without the girl showing any distress at all. Absolutely remarkable. The voice was just part of it. The girl levitated going from horizontal to vertical in a sixth of a second. Furniture was thrown around the rooms, the house was swarming with journalists. But after four days, they were baffled and frightened and called my team for help. A policewoman gave a sworn affidavit of the extraordinary activity she witnessed. Even the ghost chipped in. The death certificate confirmed the truth of what the ghost was saying. Many objects materialized out of thin air, spoons were bent, Fires broke out spontaneously in the impoverished family's home. The family had to endure practically every known phenomena in a poltergeist case. They were traumatized. They didn't benefit financially and were ostracized by many of their local community. The Enfield poltergeist menaced that family for 18 months. It nearly destroyed their lives. So that's just the intro of him giving like an overview of the case. Pretty much what I was just telling you. Hmm. Uh, but that's from a horse's mouth. 180 hours. Yeah, I couldn't remember. I said to you before, I couldn't remember how many. I said a lot of hours. I couldn't remember exactly, but yeah, 180 I hours. Just, um, he's got. I think I, I really, I understand the fascination behind it. It is fascinating, and I do understand wanting to um, kind of g- gather as much information as you possibly can, and, you know, you'd want to study it and... But I just don't. I don't get it. I don't get why you'd like sit and entertain it for so long. I mean, I feel like after you've recorded like ten hours. Yeah, even ten is a <laughs> it's lot. Like a lot. Yeah. Yeah. One hour would be okay. I've had. Yeah. If you got one clip of uh, a possessed person talking, like for one sentence, you'd be like, "Wow, we've got amazing footage here." 
Yeah. After an hour of it. Well, that that ten fifteen seconds of the the clip that we saw of her of this demon slash spirit speaking through the girl. Uh-huh. That was enough. Yeah. There's loads of footage of her doing it. Tis. It's mental. I think we could do a whole episode on that. On the Enfield Poltergeist? Probably. Do you wish I had done a whole episode on it? No. We've got a little bit more to talk about on it. I find that more interesting than... Um, the Piran Bathsheba, yeah. Yeah, this is a meteor mm. topic. The guy you saw there and, and the guy he investigated with, they were the initial people that came in. Um, and later, Ed and Lorraine were called in as well, just because they were so famous. And this was a, a case that was all over the newspapers. So they flew over for America and had a look at themselves. I've got a little quote here from Ed at the time. Right. He said, Those who deal with the supernatural day in and day out know the phenomena there are. There is no doubt about it. Therefore, when people tell me they don't believe in ghosts and spirit forces, what they're really saying to me is they're not familiar with the data on the subject, yet the data is there, should one care to look. In fact, much of it has been collected under such rigid conditions as to make a lot of other scientific research pale in comparison. For example, take the case Lorraine and I began investigating this past summer in Enfield, England, where inhuman spirit phenomena were in progress. Now, you couldn't record the dangerous, threatening atmosphere inside the little house, but you could film the levitations, teleportations, and dematerializations of people and objects that were happening there, not to mention the many hundreds of hours of tape recordings made of those spirit voices speaking out loud in the rooms. So that's what he said. And my, my interpretation of that is he's saying... Yes, you can record the teleportations and the voices and everything and show them to people and people still won't believe it, Mm. even though they're seeing and hearing it. Mm. What you can't record is the atmosphere and the feeling of being in there. Mm. And that is as much of it as anything else, if not more. But you can't physically give that to people to prove your case. Mm. And that's what he's saying in terms of data. There's loads. But I can't yeah, show you, it to you. Yeah, yeah, I understand that. Yeah, you can't. Um, I think that's that's part of the stuff I've seen. You you just you can't explain um, the feeling you get when you're in a place. Um, I don't know. I, I suppose it's kind of a much more extreme, like the way you felt when we were when Bob got the Ouija board out on the table, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know that feeling. And you it's said like that a, whole evening in this house. You said you felt an uncomfortable mm-hmm. energy in it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so that's yeah. I think he's he's right. You, it doesn't matter how closed-minded you are. You can be closed-minded, but if you ignore stuff like that, if you ignore people saying they've experienced something, you're an idiot because you can't. Yeah, how can you not acknowledge that when you sort of I don't know. Oh, well, a lot of investigators at the time believed it was actually a hoax. Right. A lot of the paranormal investigators. Mm. And um, people like um, Maurice Grass and the people who were involved in it, they were sort of derided by some other paranormal investigators for being so caught up in it. And they were saying they were like easily duped and stuff like that. Um, but I bet they didn't go there. Well, I, I'm not sure of that. But what they said is that Janet, the 11-year-old girl, um, she craved attention. And... Um, the investigators said this. This is the ones who thought it was a hoax. This is what a lot of them said. They, that she craved attention and her and her older sister, who was normally with her when she was doing the voices and stuff, who was experienced a lot of the stuff with her, sort of made the whole thing up and, yeah, played around. The thing is, it didn't help that Maurice Gross and um, Guy Playfair, 
when they were investigating, they even said that they had like seen Janet doing things to set things up, right. and they believed that some of it was her messing around, mm. but not all of it. They thought the attention that the press was giving them and everything in the house, she did actually kind of like. And so she tried to make more of it. Um, and because they said that that one time, like, yeah, some we did catch her bending spoons one time. We did catch her banging the ceiling with a broom handle one time. And maybe um, she's just trying to sensationalise the existing thing yeah that's what they're saying they're, yeah they're saying like so some of it yeah we do think was her but not all of it yeah. some of them some of them do some of um some of the people i've met who have had experiences like this um when particularly if the spirit is talking to you the person whose body they're possessing or influencing or whatever you want to call it um they're not usually aware of that's happening some people explain it as like that they've gone into like a sleep Mm-hmm. So they wake up and say, what was I saying? What happened? And they're not aware that they're doing it. So it wouldn't surprise She's only 11. It wouldn't surprise me if she's doing stuff like that to try and get attention. Why are you paying this spirit so much attention? I'm I'm still a person. I'm still around. I'm still someone who needs love and attention. Mm-hmm. Give it to me. You know, and if she sees, if she hears stories of this is the way this spirit gets attention, maybe I should do that too. Well, apparently Janet did admit eventually to faking some of the phenomena, but not all of it. Mm. So she did even say, yeah, some of it was me and my sister eventually. But she said it wasn't not all of it. Some of it was us messing around, but not all of it. Mm. They also said like the pictures, obviously the people who believed it was hoax said, you know, like you said, that could have been her bouncing on a bed. Um, she did. She was a gymnast. Right. She did study gymnastics. So that's what they're saying. Like, yeah, she probably could jump like that off a bed with like her gymnastic talents mm. and stuff like that. So it didn't help the case either. And they even got a ventriloquist to share his thoughts on what he thought of the voice. Uh, his name was, I think it was Ray, Ray something, Ray Han, I think it was. I haven't written a surname, but it was Ray something. Um, he said that the vocal tricks that Janet was doing to make the voice were absolutely possible. Is what he said. Mm. Um, I've got a little bit of audio here of one of the claims of Janet confessing to it being a hoax. Okay. At Enfield, too, you'll remember, the focus of the activity was a young girl. What else should we know about Janet Harper before concluding that the poltergeist was supernatural? Under examination by a hypnotist, she made an interesting confession. He hypnotised Janet with tremendous care. Knowing the background and knowing something about her, her history, and um, one of the questions he asked her was, "Was who's responsible for all this trouble?" And she immediately replied, "Me and my sister." That's a hypnotist, though. Mm. Hypnotists are renowned for manipulating people's brains, mm. and that's what I mean. There isn't concrete evidence. How could you do for, that? That's not. That's not. That's not reliable enough for me. There, the thing is, there's not. There's not convincing evidence either way. I'm just giving the flip no, side of it. it what was, the people that say it's a hoax say? If it was... Um, before you played me that, I was expecting for like her to be sat with like a news reporter yeah. and her mum next to her and her like, yeah, I'm really sorry, everyone. No, she still uh, claims it's real. Um, I've actually got an interview of her from this year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the girl. With Janet, yeah. Who's now like 40, 50 years old or something. 
My brother and I were lying in bed in the back bedroom. We was chatting and that like we normally did. And we turned the light out, settled down to go to sleep. And we could hear this shuffling noise near the bedroom door at the bottom of my bed to the chest of drawers. And the chest of drawers started shuffling and it moved towards the door. And me and my brother Johnny were both sat up and was really frightened. And um, mum come in, put the light on, and she said, what's all this noise about? And we said, mum, mum, the chest of drawers is moving. And she see it again, she see it shuffling towards the doorway and she pushed it back. And then it came, it started to shuffle out again and she couldn't push it back. There was levitation, there was the voices, and then there was like incidents that happened to me that were like the curtain which wrapped itself around my neck, which was quite life-threatening for me. And it brought it home to me that this could kill you. I feel that it became to use me, maybe because it was drawn off of my energy, maybe. I mean, I often think, why me? To sum it all up, to weigh it up all in one, I was used and abused. When Ed and the Rain came to the house, it, to me it felt like some sort of comfort had arrived for the first time. Uh, in, in the respect that they come to try and help us. And it didn't feel like that when anyone else visited. They just seemed to visit to see what was going on and to witness something that was happening. But it in the rain you felt warm and comforted, but they were there to try and find out what it was and how they could help you. I know people say, and I don't care what they say, it wasn't them, it was me. I know what happened and I know it was real. How would they like it if it would if this happened to them and they would be called being called a fake or whatever? I don't care what they think. I know what happened and I know it was real. This was just an interview that someone did with her saying, Oh, they're making this film, you know, what what do you think about it all these years later? Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, of course she's gonna be like, Oh yeah, I'll talk about it again because the film's coming out cynically. But that was the most recent interview I could find of her. Right. You think? Yeah, it's yeah. Um it's quite similar to the what's her name? Perong. Perong, yeah. Uh she seemed quite shook up and quite upset by some of some of the stuff she was talking about. You can tell she's getting quite upset having to recount it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seems pretty pretty credible. It's the same it's yeah, it's the same as I've been saying with all these stories, you can't you know, you can, how would you like that if you were to say and try and tell someone your story and then for them to just go, nah, it's crap. I've got, well, uh, but I've got one more clip about the Poltergeist case, the Emperor Poltergeist, and it is someone saying, that's crap. Really? Yeah. Is it her? She's on it. Okay. Um, this is from a few years ago. Right. Um, the person conducted the interview is Philip Schofield. Oh. <laughs> Right. So let me just try and find the right moment in this. This is a couple of years ago now. Um, they had her on this morning. 
which is a breakfast show in the UK. Um, Philip Schofield and Holly Willoughby representing. Holly Willoughby was too scared of the subject because she was terrified of the Enfield Poltergeist story. So she actually left the studio while I was recording this bit. Huh. And it's just Philip. And they have um, Maurice Gross is on here. Oh, all right. And Janet. Okay. And also a skeptic. So it's an interview of all three of them. Oh, that's harsh. I think that's... Well, they talked to the two and then he said, you know, the classic, for bias sake, what do you think? Um, so I'm just going to okay. play the bit near the end where the woman who doesn't believe steps into the conversation. So Deborah, for reasons of balance, obviously you are a sceptic and, uh, and you don't believe anything of this. No, I'm afraid I don't really on balance. Um, I think historically there have been enough... Uh, clear hoaxes, um, the Fox Sisters in Hydesville in 1848 and the Amityville Horror. But even where you're not taking into account hoaxes, human beings are remarkably bad at remembering things accurately and seeing things accurately. We see things that aren't there, we don't see things that are there, and we misinterpret things that are there. Especially if we're distressed or there's ambiguous information, it's very easy to um, impose what's called top-down processing. That's the image, the ideas you already have about the world get imposed onto the world and the things that you're seeing. It's quite, quite compelling though, isn't it? If you've got the police officers or speech therapists or professional people who seem to have been deeply involved. And it is, affected. and it's a fascinating story. And that's why people remember this side of it rather than all the people at the time who disagreed. Um, they, the journalists at the time, Doug Benz, and the photographer, Graham Morris, um, had their issues with it. Uh, Mary Rose Barrington from the SPR had their issues with it. There was a subsequent a study by the SPR that concluded that the girls were faking it. So that I think that we... That, that did not conclude. That, that's they, they saw the girls bending spoons and they thought that the, some of the girls... misinterpretation. Mary Rose Barrington did a very thorough and fair investigation and she concluded at the end that a great deal of the case was absolutely genuine. I'm sure it's very so, difficult to tell from this. It's very difficult to get anything under controlled conditions. As soon as you do, it all disappears. That definitely happens. But um, looking back on it in history now, it's very difficult to say this happened, that happened exactly. What we do know is this stuff isn't replicable under controlled conditions for the most part. That people um, in the SPR had issues, that other people had issues, but that we remember this story because it's the best one. Well, hang on. I mean, my, my tape recorder was on practically all the time, and you can't you can't uh, accuse tape recorders of having a false memory, or are you suggesting all the tapes have been fake? No, not at all. I do know. Um, well, now, who was it that said that the girls are being caught tampering with the tape recorder and damaging it? Was it? Was no, they didn't. No, that's completely wrong. I mean, that that, that was um, that was a separate incident where, where we were trying to record with a video tape, hmm. try and get some action in the in the bedroom. I think the thing is, though, that I feel sorry for the girls, really, because I think they must have been under a tremendous amount of pressure after a while to come up with something, um, you know, <laughs> come up with something. I don't think so. You wasn't there, love. You don't know. You no, don't know what I went through no. or how I feel today. No, I'm, I'm sure I don't know how you feel today. It will always but be with me, in here. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it Well, I just know that... Human beings do misinterpret things all the time. Oh, I can't listen to any more of this. Nah, I don't know. I can't listen <laughs> to this. I can't listen all to right, it. Okay. 
<laughs> you don't want to hear Schofield at the end. I don't want to hear no, the I'm editor of Skeptic Magazine peddle her I'm fucking not interested. shit. I'm not interested. No, oh, just turn it off. <laughs> well, okay, wait. I just want to see if there's anything at the end. Yeah, this is the end. I don't mind Schofield. Just I, wanna, I, wanna, I can't remember what Schofield says. It might be gold, it might be not be. Okay, go on. Leave it there. Um, and it is a fascinating discussion. And I thank you all very much indeed for, for taking part. Um, after your mum died... No, it's nothing good. I was hoping he'd be like, and I'm next, flower arranging or something oh, like that. Oh, right. <laughs> you know they do that. <laughs> no. Um, so what do you think about the Skeptic Magazine woman? I'm sick of it. I'm si- this is These are the people I can't... I have no time for them. Absolutely no time at all. Uh, some humans can't remember things, and uh, but you've got but to have someone perfect. giving the other side of it. Okay, let me let me but give you another scenario. A girl comes and tells you that she's been raped. Right. Oh, okay. Tell us, tell us what happened. Oh, well, I can't really remember. We were at a party, and well, he he sort of hit me, and then and then this, and then I just remember waking up with my knickers around my ankles. Like, oh wow, she can't remember it. And then it probably didn't happen, did it? It's exactly the same stuff. Why if? It should be on level pegging. If something happens to you, I don't see why anyone should stand there and say, no, you've remembered that wrong. Who are you to stand there and say stuff like that? I don't care who you are or what you've experienced. Skeptics have no place in the world. Skeptic, no. skeptic is just as bullshitty as like you know people who do believe in the paranormal. Not yeah, it's they're equally unproven. Yeah, skeptic like, just means you don't believe. Yeah. yeah, but if it, she's attacking, I, you can be sceptical. I'm a little bit sceptical of the whole story. There are mm. bits of it I'm like, mm, that's a bit... Mm. But you can't you can't discredit it. You can't say it didn't happen or she... Oh, she remembered it wrong because she was only 11. I'm sorry, but it's not it's not acceptable. It's yeah. not acceptable. It's annoying that they get a job as... A, well, not a job, but a, skeptics. Like, it's not a thing. If you don't believe in something, just fucking get on with your life. Like, get on with I it. I don't know don't why they have to... sit around and tell everyone to... It's, it's a form of bullying. To mm. do that is a form of bullying. Because, like, it's okay for you to say, oh, I don't really believe that. As we do, like, and sometimes we sit here and discredit things just because there's a lack of evidence. But, like, to actually attack someone and to say that in front of us, that's so disrespectful. Actually, I'd compare that. Imagine, like... Obviously, she said about a ghost story, and in this society, we don't really see ghost stories as serious. Right. Imagine if someone had been probed by aliens. Like, take Beast, for example. Someone had been raped. Not probed by aliens. <laughs> no, no, raped. Probed raped. By a rapist. Raped. raped. Yeah. And then they were given their side of the thing, but it was like, I don't know, not in doubt, but like. I don't know, just for argument's sake, they had a fucking sceptic there and was literally just like, well, you know, you could be talking shit. Like, how insensitive is that to do mm. that on public television? This is, um, there's a documentary on, on um, Netflix mm-hmm. about the Ivy League universities in America. Right. There's a whole, there's a whole stuff out here. People of girls being raped. Yeah. And people going out to discredit the stories to save the, um, uh, to save the name, to of, save the the name yeah. of the university. It's interesting what the sceptic woman said, though, like, well, you know, you can't prove it because you can't do it under controlled conditions. No, you can't prove that it. That is almost exactly what Ed Warren was saying in his defence in the quote I read, which is yeah. why I pulled that clip. Ed Warren said, the stuff we can show you mm. looks like it can be easily faked. Mm. The stuff we can't show you is, you know, the atmosphere, the feeling, the energy, mm. and you can't recreate that. You can't create any of it under controlled conditions, but he's like, you can't recreate that at all unless you're there. But isn't that the catch-22? You can't. 
No, that's you know, what I'm saying. You can't only do human things. Way. Humans do human things. So unless you're there, anything that a ghost can do, a human can do. So, but I can't. This is what. Oh uh, yeah, I don't know. There's tons of stuff that you can't prove that we know is happening. If I was to drop something on the floor, I know that it's gravity bringing it to the floor. I can't prove it, but I, I could prove it by dropping something on the floor. But you could say anything. Right. Well, been going for a little while now. Got a little bit of time left, maybe 10 minutes or so. I'm just going to... I've got two more topics. Obviously, they're not big topics, like a couple of minutes each. Um, They're the two big cases that I wanted to talk about today. Can you imagine? I was originally going to go over nine of their cases. Wow, yeah. No, we wouldn't have had time for all of it. Because these aren't even their most famous cases. But you could come back and do... No, that's exactly it. Their most famous cases are the Amateurville Horror Mm -hmm. and um, the Annabelle Doll. Very famous cases, but we'll do them another time. Right. I just decided these two because these were the big, you know, people wanted to know the truth behind the Conjuring film stories, mm. and these are the two cases that they're based uh-huh. on. Do you believe one over the other at all? Um, no, I, I believe both. I'd say probably both equally. What I will say is, you know, I'm a massive skeptic when it comes to ghosts, mm. right? But I love a good ghost story. Mm. What I will say is they're both fantastic stories. Yeah. Whether you believe them or not, they are great ghost stories. Mm. I'd sway towards believing the Perron family one more. Mm -hmm. I don't don't know why, but I do. But that's not to say I'm necessarily a believer in either. I just think they're great stories. Tish, which one would you sway towards? Both great stories, both equally as true or untrue as each other. Hmm. I just hate fucking sceptics. Oh, well, the next section's for you then. Criticism. Oh. I, I, it's only short. I've got no clips for this section. I just wanted to run through a couple of bits because they are... The Warrens are a massively divisive couple mm. um, because of the nature of their work. You know what the problem I've got with that sceptic, actually, is what I was thinking, the difference between this and that. The difference is, is that you're sort of like, oh, it could happen, but you're listing your thoughts of what is stopping you from fully believing in this Mm -hmm. whereas she's just listing things that mean that no one watching the tv program or in live should believe it do you know what i mean you're Mm -hmm. not trying to tell people they should this is bullshit you're saying i want to believe it but this this and this well i'm i'm of the opinion that people can believe whatever they want yeah yeah i'm very less you know there's a difference between skeptics and that person i cannot believe in something Mm -hmm. but not care Mm -hmm. if someone else believes it yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can be sceptical of something without actively trying to get other people to disbelieve it as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, like I said um, at the beginning, Ed and Lorraine Warren, um, they founded the New England Society for Psychic Research, the NESPR. And there's also a rival organisation that's been created, um, the NESS, the New England Skeptic Society. <laughs> now, Steve Novella and Perry DeAngelis um, from the NESS met with Ed and Lorraine Warren. And they took the tour of their occult museum, and um, this is what uh, they said about them. Uh, They found the couple to be very nice people, um, and everyone says that about them as well. They're very genuine, nice people. Mm -hmm. Uh, They don't feel like frauds or shysters at all. Mm. They're genuinely nice people. Uh, But he said their claims of ghosts and demons are, quote, at best, meaningless ghost stories, and at worst, dangerous frauds. And in regards to their claims of scientific proof of spirits and everything, because they have said again and again, there's loads of proof that this is real. This is Steve Novella from the NASS. He said, um, they claim to have scientific evidence which does indeed prove the existence of ghosts. 
which sounds like a testable claim into which we can sink our investigative teeth. What we found was a very nice couple, some genuinely sincere people, but absolutely no compelling evidence. Yeah. They said in regards to the evidence, they had too many, like, one that got away stories. Oh, we did have evidence, but it was a lot of that, um, which didn't sit well with them. But, I've written here, the people who said this are self-proclaimed sceptics. So they are looking for falsities. Yeah. Mm. I don't I don't understand. I will never understand people who will go out of their own way to um set up a society to try and disprove something. I don't understand why Yeah, yeah. I put it this way, even if this is all crap, right? Like say for example, the Janet, she's lying. Yeah. It's all rubbish. Yeah. Um but you get people that believe every single word of it what is the where's the harm what is where what is actually harming people yeah why don't you just let people believe it if they want to and if they don't want to believe it that's fine why if you go out of your way to try and disprove it it's way too negative if you want to set up a society set up a society of something you do believe in or care about don't just set up a society to rain on someone else's parade this is doing something they like this is my problem with new atheism is precisely my problem with new atheism. They're going out of their own way to try and stop people from believing things which they think is crap. Hmm. But they're not telling us what they're for. All they do is, I'm against this, and we're against this, and we're, we hate this, and what are you for? Like, people hate hearing what people are against. Just let people believe what they want to believe. It's not damaging anyone. I've literally... I've got five minutes to wrap up one last little bit because this is the episode where I just want to talk about the Warrens and these Mm. two cases. Yeah. In another episode, if I've got all the Warren stuff out of the way, I can just talk about their cases. Mm. So the other thing I just wanted to touch on was um, the occult museum, which Mm -hmm. they had set up in their house. Yeah, I don't understand that. Would you want to visit? I don't know why they've... (sighs) What's what's in it? What's in it? It's just artefacts and stuff. Like the Annabelle doll was in there, I can't museum. <laughs> it would funny. We, we went to Vlad the Impaler's birthplace. <laughs> yeah. What is this place? What's there? <laughs> a coffin. I'm there. They, they do warn you. <laughs> and a, a bust of Vlad. Um, I'll be there. They have many items from their cases. Okay. How much is it to get in? Uh, I think it's twelve dollars fifty. That's too much. <laughs> that is that's too many. That's dinner for four these, in Romania. That's these, about ten dollars fifty. These are some too of much. the most famous items from the most famous paranormal cases of all time. Mm. Yeah, I would. I would go. Um, and you're warned not to touch anything when you go in there. Obviously, a lot of it is in cases and stuff. It's I would like, want. I would want reassurance that. I don't know. Nothing bad was going to happen. Well, what I've got here, rather than trying to explain, because I haven't been there, uh, I'm I think got, I've seen it on TV. Actually, I've got a little clip of someone giving an impromptu tour of the place and we'll play a couple of minutes of it I'm not going to play the whole thing just to give you an idea of what it's like inside the museum and this is a guy giving a bit of a tour to some people who visited but we can confirm that this museum is real yeah this is a real place there's no sceptics that are against this museum no saying this museum is this is the occult museum at the Warren's house so this is the guy giving a little tour she's 89 though we should probably hurry up if we are going to go yeah we should get over (laughs) I think her, the nephew or their son is in charge of something. Yeah, true now. enough. Money Cash cow. Here that you see, or you're going to see, is the opposite of holy. It's the opposite. The unblessed is the unholy. This is stuff that's been used in witchcraft rituals, satanic cults, uh, all kinds of diabolical uh, incantations. See here? This, uh, those are voodoo dolls. They're actually, they're actually fertility, fertility dolls from Africa. They're stolen from a witch doctor, 
sent to a Bridgeport police officer years ago. He was going to sell them on a black market. And two weeks after he got him, he was paralyzed from the neck down. And he stayed that way for like two years until he finally passed away. But real quickly, I know you guys want to see some good stuff. So this is Annabelle here. I'm going to show you Annabelle. This is a famous style. Right here, Annabelle down right here. That's Annabelle that's now in a glass case. And she's responsible for the death of a young man who came here with his girlfriend. Uh, actually, the long story behind it, but... But we'll go into that on another episode, so I'm just going to skip over the Annabelle stuff. Mm. Uh, it's one of their most famous cases, of course. You've probably heard of the Annabelle stuff. Um, Good, because we'll go about another episode. Right. Come on over here. This is an idol. Titanic idol right here. This is something that was found in the woods of Sandy Hook. Actually, it's only about five, six miles from here. Uh, a deer hunter, a young man, a bow hunter, was hunting deer in the woods, and he stumbled upon this thing in the woods. He said he immediately became frightened. He didn't know why. He looked at it. It was so spooky to him. He got this feeling of dread and this feeling of horror. And he said he was like sitting next to it, like just almost lost all his strength. He said, I got to get out of here. I, I, can't, I can't concentrate. He starts to walk away from this idol. And as he's walking down this footpath, he said, this, there's nobody around. It's like it's in a woods. And he says, he's walking down this footpath. All of a sudden, there's a guy all dressed in black, white hair, white beard, walking in step right next to this young bow hunter, just like this, not even looking at the young man. And he said to us, he said, I felt such a fright from this man. He said, I asked the guy, how do I get out of here? The guy just didn't answer, just pointed that way, kept walking. He said, but he was so frightened by this guy that he had his arrows in his, what do you call it, pouch, the quiver. He pulls it out. He, he said, I, I pulled it out. He said, I wanted to do it. So yeah, that's just a um, little, there's not many clips I can find of people actually in the place because they don't really let you film in there and that. Yeah, yeah. But that's just, an, you, you could see in the background some of the, the stuff they had in there and I will put that whole video and I'll put some other stuff. All these clips obviously are going to be on the blog. But where's yeah, that? Where's that? Surely it'd be like near their house. Yeah, it is at their house. It's at their house. Why? This is, this is what I don't, this is why I would question, it's not like I'm questioning their faith. But if you were Roman Catholic or you had any kind of faith, you wouldn't want satanic um, occult stuff anywhere near your house. And you wouldn't want to make it as almost like a shrine. A museum is almost like a shrine for people to go and look at this stuff and try and take it in. If they they spend their whole lives um, over all these cases trying not to be kitschy, trying not to look... Um, as if they're doing it for their own gain mm. and they've created this place for people to pay to go and look at stuff which if in my opinion if you were doing that and you were you had a faith you would destroy the items yeah but so I don't... Know there is an interest in that stuff I mean I would want to visit if we were near it I'd do an episode of Weird Tales at the museum I just don't get if they're trying to get people to not question what they're doing that's the right, wrong way to go around it in my opinion so would you visit though? I don't see, mm, nah. Would you visit this? If I, I feel like I've just area, done it, of yeah. course, yeah. I like that guy seemed like he'd give a good tour. Yeah, yeah. That was impromptu, that video we watched, that wasn't like a set tour. He was just like there. He's like, yeah, I'll show you a few things. And uh, I would want that guy to be there when I went because he seemed like he had so many cool stories. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, just there's. Burn it. Uh, if, yeah, if any of our listeners. Burn it. I think the best thing they could have possibly done is maybe document it in a book mm. and then destroy it. They do don't keep it all railed off, as you can see. It's like, don't touch anything. Still, like, 
you keep all that stuff inside. It's also quite disrespectful. It's like, oh, this this doll is responsible for the death of this, and you keep it. Why are you keeping it? Just mm. get rid of it. Yeah. But why? Yeah. Why? Yeah, like you say, just put it in a book. If people are interested in it, buy a book. Spend twelve dollars fifty on the book. Yeah, documenting each. If you're interested of in it and you want to research it. But they're making it a kitschy, touristy thing, which is exactly the sort of thing you'd hate. If any of our listeners have visited the Warrens Occult Museum, I would love to hear from you and what you thought of it. Yeah. Is that what it's called? The War- I think it's just called the Warrens Occult Museum. Yeah, it's called that. The WOM. The W-O-M. Um, so there you go. That's our first look at the Warrens. And sometime in the future, I'll look at some of their other famous cases. Wasn't so much of a Warren. You directed us through it quite clearly. Thank you. Can you imagine if I tried to load you through all their, all their main cases? At nine. Um, yeah, for like nine hours. Yeah, forget it. So they, those, those two were way too meaty. I had to give mm. them their own episode. Plus we had to look at the Warrens in general. And Ed Warren has written a few books as well. And I'll put links to... If you're interested in it, I'll put links to all this stuff on the blog. There'll be loads of stuff on the blog this week. So the blog is weirdtalesandtheunexplainable.blogspot.com. If you want to contact us, if you've been to the museum, or if you want to say hi or anything, uh, it's unexplainableuk at mail.com we're on Facebook facebook.com slash weird tales and the unexplainable you can come and like us on there and message us and comment and etc and uh, if you want to do us a favour go and give us a review on iTunes and donate give us all your money if you want I never, I never ask for the donations if we get them it's great I'll do it give us all your money right okay yeah yeah give us some money so we can go over and visit the Warrens of Cart Museum <laughs> and the Emityville house is it still there? Uh, yeah, it's in New York, isn't it? I don't know. Right. Cool. Are we done? Cool. You guys got anything else to say? No. No. So, until next time... Warren, she glad you listened. Oh! oh. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Cool. Fantastic. Well done. Cut. Cut.